0: Bad I'm, I'm doing this intermittent fasting thing, which is, by the way, but you don't realize how hungry you can be until like, you psychologically force yourself not to eat for long periods of time. And I feel like if I hadn't gotten, like, gotten in the process of actually like, going through the cycle for fasting, I'd be okay. But the fact that I know that there's a time coming up, like a short window where I can eat, like I'm just ravenously hungry. Well, what, what,
1: time, what hours are you doing?
0: I'm doing the 16-hour interval.
1: Uh, that's why. Yeah. You start with 12 and then work your way up to 16.
0: Yeah, I went cold turkey, dude. I went right in for it. It's hard. You'll get the keto flu. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it already. I've been. I think I'm only three days deep, but holy shit, dude! When I'm hungry, I'm hungry.
1: Yeah, because I mean, even though technically you're not on the ketogenic diet when you're fasting, you will start producing some ketones, so you're gonna, it's gonna tax you.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you get into ketosis apparently, apparently after like a week. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even think about
1: it anymore. I'm I'm always fasting. I'm always, but I usually do um, fourteen hours.
0: So you're more What What is it? circadian?
1: It just it's just I fit it into my day. I stopped worrying about the exact numbers, and as long as it was over twelve, so I stop eating at like eleven o'clock at night, which mm-hmm. sounds crazy to people, but I stay up till three, um, and then I I get up at eleven, but I don't usually have actually. Technically, I go over sixteen hours, but. Um, when I break, when I quote unquote break fast, it's with tea. So that doesn't actually count. The first yeah. time I eat food is until three in the afternoon. Huh. I don't get hungry though at all.
0: And and for anyone who hasn't seen Chad in a while, you've lost a significant amount of weight too.
1: It's from this. Well, and exercise, of course. Yeah, know, sure. walking w- Walking 40 minutes every day. And then when I when I was actually fairly more active than I am now because of the holidays and the, and the winter weather, I let myself get a little lazy, but I was doing boxing every morning. So, Are you still doing that? It, not every day. Um, I, I've only done it one day this week, but I'm still doing it. I'm just trying to get back into, into the addictive habit of being able to do it every day. Sure. Um, but I'm also... I think we talked a little bit about this last time, but I'm also trying to work in yoga and some... Kettlebell and some Tai Chi. So, <laughs> right now, I'm just happy if I get anything done.
0: <laughs> By the way, like I know we we, we forget that because we assume. Like you and I talk a lot, right? That there are still certain things that I don't know about your life. Like I didn't even know you got into boxing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm hesitant every time I use the word boxing because people think I'm like getting in the ring or something. I'm just mm-hmm. hitting a heavy bag, but um, it's really it's in it. It's an incredible workout. Just 15 minutes every day. Holy crap! Like the first week, my abs, everything were sore. And now, like if I get a, I get a little bit out of shape, you know, like my gut starts coming back. After like two days of out there, it starts sucking back up. It's pretty incredible.
0: You know, for anyone who hasn't done it either, um, some something extremely eye opening was. You know, when I was younger, I thought. Um, like all of these things that you assume are, are not as hard as they are until you actually do them. But holy crap, man, legitimate shadow boxing for like a minute and a half is really, really tough. I mean, like not just, not just this, this, you know, the stuff you see in like montages and movies and stuff, but like legitimately shadow boxing and dodging and ducking and weaving and, and, and slipping and stuff. It's a lot harsher than it looks.
1: Well, yeah, because you're using pretty much every single muscle in your upper body. And if you're doing it right, you're also using your lower body.
0: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, your footwork has to be great if you're doing it right, and your hips. You know,
1: there's a. I mean, a, a decent, even a decent jab, is there's there's some of it
0: coming from the hips. Oh, it's all coming from the hips. I mean, if you learn how to punch properly, which, I mean, thankfully, I I, I thank my parents for for dragging me to martial arts when I was younger, but knowing how to punch properly, um, you use almost all core. Like your hands are just an extension of your body. Your body's doing all the work.
1: Yeah, especially like in in boxing. Okay, first of all, I am not an expert. So if somebody else out there knows more than the, than me on this, this is the little bit that I know, and all that I need to know for what I'm doing. I'm never going to get in the ring, but with jabs, your your purpose is speed. It's never True. power. Yeah. So it's it's as fast as um as fast as it gets out there. You want to pull it back, um, and just that you know because it's about almost like a whipping motion. Man, it, you wouldn't you wouldn't think you're like hey you're not moving around. But you kind of—I mean—you're moving around a little bit, but holy shit, your heart rate will skyrocket real quick.
0: Well, which is why if you if you watch, because I, I used to be a pretty you know pretty into fighting, and I used to take martial arts and stuff like that. Like if if you you're, you're totally right. Like the purpose of a jab is definitely to a keep your opponent honest and b for for basically speed. Like you want to get that thing out as fast as you can um but this is why snap snapping jabs with a lot of power are so devastating because they can come so quickly and they knock you on your ass cuz you're not you don't see them coming.
1: Yeah, I mean and when I go out there that's all I'm doing. I'm not practicing uppercuts. I'm not even practicing hooks cuz like I said I'm not I'm not getting in the ring. So I'm just going to do the stuff that gives me the best workout. Yeah, and there's sure. too much risk with hooks and uppercuts without proper training of hurting your wrist. Mm-hmm. And it's since I don't need to learn it, I
0: don't bother. Yeah, and, um, and no, one, no one in the world as a fighter ever lands a hooker, hook or an uppercut without a good jab anyway.
1: hmm Or
0: 15. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: You know, what's really fascinating is because of all the um, heart stuff and all of that, you know, they upped my my beta blocker medication and uh, I went out there the one day I went out there this week. So I have my always have my Apple Watch on, but I turn it with the screen towards my wrist. So, that I can just rip open the glove and just kind of look at my stats and then close the glove. Um, I just like to, you know, see if I'm hitting my target heart rates. Well, before, when I was going out there, all this time before I get out there, I get my heart rate up to like 130, 140, which for my age is about 70% max heart rate. So, it's it's a pretty good target heart rate. Well, with the beta blocker, I didn't realize that um, I've been operating with a lot of adrenaline in my system at all times and the beta blocker mutes that so my pulse on everything i do is now like 20 beats lower huh so i go out there and i'm busting my ass on the, on the boxing or on the bag and i'll flip open you know rip open the glove and i'll look and it's like 101
0: that's, <laughs> that's nuts
1: so i'm like wow i have like so much more room to improve now because now i have you know i can get my i can get to the point where i have this stamina to get up to 130 and that 130 is such a higher ceiling now because of this beta blocker
0: yeah that's actually really cool um, that's interesting to i wonder i wonder if that's universally true like i got to try that well it, it it
1: doesn't it doesn't actually suppress your heart rate it's something that people don't understand about beta blockers they think it's like a narcotic it's a, it's a hormone essentially and what it does is it tells your body to like either... I'm not sure on this. It's one of the two. It either tells your body not to produce more adrenaline or it tells your body to ignore the adrenaline and to not mm. use it. Interesting. So for people with anxiety or people with mm-hmm. um, trauma, um, especially you know like a PTSD and stuff like that, where they're just dumping adrenaline into their body, this is a good way to do that without having to dope them up. Sure. I mean, some people like me, un- unfortunately, when I first... Started taking the beta blocker, and then now it's an up dosage. It's almost like I started taking it again. The first couple of weeks, I'm drowsy, but that usually goes away as I acquaint myself with the with the dosage. Sure. So yeah, I mean the whole week, this, this whole week, I've been sleeping in two hours later than
0: I normally would. How often do you? I mean, when did you start taking the beta blockers?
1: Mm, I think five years ago. Gotcha.
0: Hmm.
1: And that was just for blood pressure. Sure. But I think now, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's all a guessing game. Health is, to some degree, a guessing game. I think that my blood pressure was high because I think I had this adrenaline thing going on underneath um, for the whole time.
0: And that's what was raising my blood pressure. Sure. And you just didn't know it this entire time?
1: Yeah. So, I, I mean, I lucked out because this is the perfect medication for that because it treats anxiety and blood pressure. Yes. <laughs> I was a little bit nervous actually before starting this one just because last week I had that huge heart rate spike right before we started and if for anybody out there has never had like anxiety or panic attacks unfortunately they're very associative so uh, for example if you have one in a grocery store the t- the chance of you having one in another one in a grocery store is is higher because it's almost like your body um anticipates what happened last time And that's almost what was happening tonight. I was like, okay, okay, stay calm. So I had to like sit and meditate for like 15 minutes today before I even started getting ready for this, just so that even though I'm on the medication, I still would have had somewhat of a spike if I got
0: anxious. Sure. I I probably would have gotten up to like 130,
1: not Uh like 180 like last week.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was a little terrifying. Like, I can't believe that happened right in the middle of the episode.
1: You know what's crazy is, when the next day, yeah, th- on Friday, when I went in for the, I had already scheduled it, but I wanted to make sure my heart was healthy. You know, they kept telling me that this, this skipped heartbeat thing was, um, was called a PVC. You know, it's like don't worry about it; it's not a big deal. But if you want to be a hundred percent, go in and do the stress test. And if you guys have seen the Santa Claus when he goes to the doctor and he makes him run on the treadmill with his big gut, uh, that's what I had to do. Um, <laughs> way more awesome treadmill. Um, but yeah, I was anxious before going in. So my heart rate was already at like 111 before I even got on the treadmill. Jeez. <laughs> and so I started running. And, and this thing, like basically, you start out walking, you're very slow. And like she, she, she even said, she's like, you're going to be bored the first two minutes. Um, and every two minutes, it increases in speed. And then the incline gets steeper. Mm. So by the end, like you never actually. I never got up to running. I don't think you actually ever get up to running. Probably because they don't want you to injure your knees. Um, but I was like walking as fast as I possibly could at the end, and it was pretty steep, and I would say like a, probably over a forty-five percent incline. Um, and my heart rate was like at one seventy, and then all of a sudden I had an adrenaline dump. I've told you this, but the audience doesn't know this. I had an adrenaline dump while it was on there. So they're, they're completely, there's a cardiologist and a technician sitting there watching this. And my heart rate spiked up to 200. And <laughs> if wow. people don't know a lot about hearts, that's like far above heart attack range. Yeah, that's um, dramatic.
0: Holy shit.
1: And uh, Dude, I, I went to the
0: hospital with 180. How the hell did you get to 100 or 200?
1: I, I don't know. And I don't want to know. <laughs>
0: oh my God. that's it's so probably, I mean,
1: I was running on a treadmill and I had a panic attack at the same time. That's how. That's you know, madness. They, they stack up. But I hear the technician going, Doctor, Doctor, Doctor. <laughs> As That's my heart rate's going up. <laughs> <That's> never. <good. laughs> the worst part about this though is um, first of all, I would suggest anybody that has any worries about your heart, go in and do this. Just so that you can say, you know, like the, they can tell you what's going on with your heart. You know, if you really, really want a hundred percent, do this and then go get a, you know, a, a, mm-hmm. i think it's electrocardiosonogram. Where they take um, pictures of your heart, but this uh, go in and do this. But be aware that when you go in, they're going to hand you a piece of paper that will probably be the most terrifying piece of paper anyone's ever handed you before, <laughs> and it's the release. Uh, and, the release and the release says, you know, that tells you this is what's going to go on. And sometimes um, this leads to blah blah blah, and in some cases, heart attack, and then the last part, and sometimes death. And then you have to sign your name right under the word death. It's pretty awesome.
0: <laughs> I wonder, I wonder. I mean, it's a morbid and terrible question to ask, but I wonder how many people have died doing that. I don't think too many because... Yeah, I can't it's, imagine. It's got to be like a few.
1: Well, you're in the hospital. So the, I'm sure that in the cabinets right there, they've got some nitroglycerin tablets sitting right there.
0: Sure. And some EpiPens and some various other things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, you don't want to give EpiPen to somebody who's having a heart attack.
0: Oh, good point.
1: <laughs> that will kill them.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's nuts. But yeah, I mean, it's it speaks to such a funny thing that that I've always, as advanced as we think we are, as as little you know smart monkeys um we have so little of the actual human body figured out and most of medicine is still to this day as advanced as we are i'm not i'm not talking shit on on modern medicine or anything like that because obviously you know having the ability to do an ekg and then do a cat scan is much better than burying a fucking toad in your your backyard and hoping that that'll bring you good luck for a year you know so i mean the perspective is vastly different don't get me wrong but We're so at the very beginnings of our understanding of what we need to do to take care of ourselves and heal ourselves.
1: Well, yeah, I think one of the things that people don't really grasp when it comes to medicine in general is just how many factors are involved. You know, even if you just take diet... You know, like um people always say, like, why does this diet say this is healthy and then this one says this and then this says this? It's because you can't mitigate factors enough to be positive. You sure. know, I I can't tell you for sure that because, you know, uh you ate raspberries every day, you know, three pounds of raspberries every day, you got testicular cancer. Because this guy over here got it too, and he was smoking cigarettes. And um, you ate things other than raspberries. Um, I don't know what you were exposed to in your day to day life. Uh, You know what? what, uh, Maybe you got some food that had chemical in it. There's so many different factors that play in. And then when you get beyond even diet, which is probably far more simple than what we're talking about. When when they're looking at symptoms, you know, I have this symptom and I have this symptom. Well, you think about the branch diagram of that and the way that it goes off and all the possible things it could be. It's just
0: ridiculous. Not only that, but from that perspective, I mean, the one thing we don't... We, you have to take into account when you're thinking of all these things is they're all beyond being Conditional um they're all individual too as well you know because everybody's body is different everybody's body's chemistry is different and the balance within that body chemistry also varies wildly from person to person so it's a really i mean it's it's such a tough challenge because you're right like in, in one diet raspberries might be totally good for you and in another one they could potentially kill you mix with the right things in your body chemistry <laughs>
1: yeah science is i mean science of medicine is just it's it's vast it's it's so vast and yeah, we're just
0: figuring this stuff out man
1: and and doctors they don't have 100% of what they need anyways you know like we're not rab uh rablets <laughs> that's a good one rablets Lab oh, rats. <laughs> you know like they're not observing us 24/7 everything that's going into us and everything so it, maybe we left out one detail that's important sure you know i mean just like Just look up anybody who doesn't have anxiety or hypochondria. If you do, don't do this. Everybody else who doesn't, look up the symptoms of a heart attack. Oh, man. There's so many of them, and it says, might be this, it might be this, it might be this. Because for everybody, the way it manifests is completely different. Yeah. Which is horrible. You know, for one person, it's like, oh, you have gas. Another person's like, no, you're having a heart attack.
0: Yeah, you need to go to the hospital, like right now. And for this other person, it's just Taco Bell. So weird. So weird. But you yeah. know, what are you gonna do? You gotta keep surviving. Well, I guess that's 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 tough, right? Like, I mean, I'm glad I'm not a hypochondriac because I'm an I'm an over analytical person as it is. So I imagine if hypochondria were part of the equation for me, I would just be a nervous wreck all the time about my body. You know, anytime I felt something a little different or a little squeezy or a little sore or scratchy, I would just freak out. <laughs>
1: I imagine hypochondria, now this is a complete conjecture, but I imagine hypochondria had to be far more rare before the internet. Oh, sure. Because the internet just seems like it's, it's like the worst thing in the world for a hypochondriac.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess the more you know without the basis of that, or without a good basis for that knowledge, the more psychotic you can get about this stuff.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Like if you have a bump on, you know, like your knee or something, no, we'll say your thigh, get a bump on your thigh most people are just gonna think uh you know I got a bug bite or I have um, you know this is something inane but the hypochondriac is going to go on the internet and find out the 50 60 different things that a bump on a random part in your body could be anywhere from cancer to blood clot to anything and you know most of these these places that are telling you what these things are they're not telling you st- statistically what the what the averages are you know it's like could be a blood clot but in reality it's only 0.3% of the population that it's ever that. Sure. huh? So if you guys wanted to get cheery thinking about your bodies, that's what we're here to tell you. <laughs> your well, body I will, I is will, a
0: disaster. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> what I, it's, it, it, it's, it's crazy how hilariously unpredictable our subject matters are. I had no idea we'd be talking about this.
1: Yeah. I think it's because we don't plan anymore.
0: <laughs> I'm still I'm still shocked at your 104 um, heart rate when doing extreme exercise. By the way, that's really crazy to me. I don't understand that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I, what I think is it is
1: is in reality my my physical fitness level is not as high as I thought it was. Mm. So. For me to get to one o four and be tired means that I am more out of shape than I thought I was, but I wasn't able to get into better shape because my heart rate was that high, so I thought I was hitting the ceiling mm-hmm. but I wasn't it was sure. you know artificially spiked by adrenaline, so i was there was an additional twenty beats per minute on there, so I mean it's good and it's it's awesome it's way better than the opposite.
0: <laughs> But man, that is confusing, though.
1: hmm and, it's, it's, and I will tell you this, that, um, not to go on too long about all this stuff, but the weirdest thing about... And I don't know if this will manifest for other people, but the weirdest thing about Atenolol, which is the beta blocker that I'm currently on, um, I don't have experience with any of the other ones, but I imagine they're the same. You can feel it throttling you at certain points. Jeez. And I, I, I don't think... Um, <clears throat> actually i shouldn't say it's throttling you because it isn't it feels like it's throttling you in reality is your i don't know how to say this first of all when your heart when your resting heart rate's lower um for the first couple of days you feel really uncomfortable all the time because the beats aren't coming when you expect them to come when you've had a heart rate at 90 for a really long time and now your heart rate is like 71 um you feel like you're missing heartbeats.
0: Yeah, that's disconcerting, man. That would freak me out.
1: So you, you, you feel <laughs> it feels really weird. But then, like when you're, um, when you have that adrenaline problem like I was having, mm-hmm. your workout recovery is longer because the adrenaline keeps your heart rate higher, right? So um, this is what I meant by throttling. It's not really throttling, it's just actually putting me back to real levels. But like if I went out there and I got up to 142, Sure, and and I would usually when I do that, I do some sort of interval workout. So I'll get up to as high as I can get, you know, like to where I feel like I'm okay. I'm getting pretty tired, and then I stop, and I just kind of walk around for like until my heart rate gets down to another level that I that I determine. Um, And the reason I'm not using numbers here is because it's different from before and for now, but. Before, I would get up to like 142. And then I would wait until I hit like 110, 105. And then I go back at it again and get back up to like 138, 142. Um, And the time, it would take about two, two and a half minutes to drop down that low. But now, it's this is where it feels like it's throttling because I'll get up to like that 101, I even try to like if I can get up to 110, but I haven't done it yet. Um, But I'll get to like 105. And I'll tell myself, okay, when I get back to eighty-five, I'll go back to the bag, and that happens in like forty seconds now. Jeez! So it's like it feels like it's like, you can feel it dropping, but that's what your body's actually supposed to do. My body's actually functioning the way it's supposed to because it's freed of that adrenaline. So that's that's really disconcerting at first, too.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, so let's go back to the beta blockers for a se- for a second. So does that does is it actual adrenaline coursing through your system all the time, or is it does your body just think that it is? It's actual adrenaline. Oh, geez. Yeah.
1: So that's, that's why. You
0: know, I mean that's 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 a recipe for anxiety constantly.
1: Yeah. Well, what, yeah what what's difficult about adrenaline is, um, once again, not a doctor. This is not. 100% information from what I've seen that adrenaline can last in your system for up to an hour. Mm-hmm. So if you even have like a little minor freak out, you're going to have that that bump up might last as much as an hour. So if you have another little freak out in less than an hour, you're just basically going to continue. And that's basically what was happening to me. I was having little minor freak outs here and there. So it was just keeping me most of the time
0: at an accelerated rate. Sure. So you're just gonna heighten state of anxiety constantly, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Jeez. Oh my god. Yeah. That sounds that sounds terrible. <laughs> it, yeah, it was it was a rough month, man. <laughs> yeah, God. I mean, it, it, so so describe the feeling though. Like what would it actually feel like when you were going through it? The anxiety, normal yeah. anxiety or a freak out anxiety? like freak out anxiety. Is there like is there does it feel like a panic attack constantly? Um It feels like, first,
1: you're just super aware of everything. Um, Here's how it manifested the first time. Um, It started with those little weird things, those flutterings, those heart skipping, which, by the way, if anybody's been following along, um, the cardiologist says those things are really common and completely benign and not to expect that they're going to go away, but they will lessen with the medication. Got it. Um, So it started with those and I was literally doing nothing. I was like, I had just bought that Kindle and I was like reading it. And so that thing happened. So usually to be triggered by something weird happening in my body. Not always, but a lot of times. Um, In this case, it was that fluttering. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, have you ever had that feeling when you're in the house and there's a noise and you got to get up and check it out? Yeah. And
0: you've got like that slight, almost, it's hard to describe it. Yeah. No, I, I'm, sure every, I'm sure everyone in the world knows exactly what you're talking about.
1: You have an edge. And like, I don't know if, um, if this is common for women, but I know that when talking to men in that situation, there's, you kind of start to begin to understand how somebody could kill someone. You know, sure. like if someone came out at you and you're, you know, you're like, I would stab them if they jumped out at me. Yeah. In that um, high state, sure. That's where you are. Mm. you're at that place. Your heart rate's up. You're super alert. You can hear everything. And because you can hear everything and your your senses are heightened, you can hear your own heartbeat. Oh, geez. Sometimes you hear it in your ears, but mostly you can hear it in your neck and your chest. And then because of that, you can't ignore it. That sounds awful. So then you become acutely aware of how fast it's beating. And the moment you become acutely aware of how fast it's beating, it's going to go up at least 10. If you have anxiety, because sure. now the adrenaline's starting to empty, right, and then if you're you're dumb enough to have an Apple watch or a Fitbit and you start looking at your heartbeat monitor, <laughs> you only make it worse, but it just feels like um it's fight or flight is the best description of it, it really is, where you're just like, "I'm ready to go, and something's wrong, and you're in a tunnel you know you could you could tell your yourself... this is the thing that when you have an abundance of adrenaline. When you have a severe anxiety disorder, all of these things that people tell you about stress management—they're not useful because those things are useful for normal stress management. And stress and anxiety are two different things, first of all. But we'll 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 let that go for now. But your normal anxiety, yes, you know, if you you're feeling anxious and your heartbeat increases ten through breathing techniques and stuff like that, you can bring it back down 10. Like now with the beta blocker, I can I can literally on the drop of a dime, I can drop my heart rate by eight in like 12 seconds. Uh-huh. I have that much control. But when you don't have that control, when you have an abnormal amount of adrenaline and anxiety, you no longer have that control of your body. So in, in some circumstances, breathing techniques makes things worse. Because now you're paying attention to your breathing and you're breathing deeper. So your body starts to feel like it's maybe even panicking more. Sure. So it's, I mean, it's, you could be sitting there trying to, you know, a lot of people say, oh, don't think about it. Just when when people say that, just, I mean, they don't understand and be grateful that they they don't understand because they never experienced it. They're lucky. Um, But it's not something you can ignore. Just like you couldn't ignore a sound you know, the sound of someone um, picking at the lock on your front door, you're not going to be able to ignore, you know, an accelerated heartbeat that you can hear in your own ears while you're watching TV. It's just not something you're going to be able to tune out. Sure. So you kind of, I mean, it's, I think that this is weird to say in some way, I don't know if I mean this. So I'll have to take back some of this at the end. In some way I wish that everybody could go through a small bout of anxiety, um, not because a small bout of serious anxiety, not because I want them to have the continuing problem. Because once you have anxiety, it's more bound to come back. Um, but because it it does something to your personality, it changes you, um, it tames you, um, because you're continually battling this thing. And every day, there's at least four or five times where you just have to surrender where you just have to go, okay, well, because with, with, this, with this in your system, there's also a voice in your head that's always saying you're dying. So you have this feeling of doom. And at a certain point, you just have to be like, fine. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. Because there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it, right? Sure. Unless you're going to go to the ER every time. And well, nobody's that loaded. So, it's it's, I think that it does something. I know I can see the changes it's made in my personality. And it makes things like all these things that um, anybody that's been listening long enough knows. that, Like when I talk about the importance of gratitude and the importance of people and all these other things. It brings those things to the forefront. Because all of a sudden those things make sense and they don't seem silly because you're like, oh, that you know if this takes 1% of the edge off and this takes 1% of the edge off and this takes 1% of the edge off well that's 3% of the edge and i'll take that
0: 3% sure
1: and they're they're actually those things are far more valuable than 1% but it's just random numbers ah uh, but anyways let's talk about something else <laughs> <laughs> for anybody out there with anxiety though deal with it you know like um talk to somebody go in and you know I'm not saying medication is the right thing. I didn't want the medication, but sometimes um, I couldn't control it anymore. After after five years, I couldn't do it without the medication.
0: Yeah, and for some people, obviously, it's, it it manifests itself in different ways too. So for some people, it's you know, it, I, I I'm such a huge advocate of taking care of your mental health on top of that too. Um, given how how quickly and 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 dramatically you can descend into really damaging physical problems if you don't if you don't mentally check in with yourself every once in a while
1: right and it compounds it really compounds over time so you you know like uh what is a minor problem that's not dealt with over time will become a major problem just like anything else in your body remember that you know like if you ignore a bump um, that's there for like a year, and and it's still you know it's still there after a year. Well, if you wait ten years, guess what? That it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. If it's been there a year, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the same with your brain. You got to deal with the bumps in your brain. You know, I was just reading this book. I just finished this book um, because of when we were talking about some of the more paranormal stuff. Like at the beginning of the season, I I had. Bought just a bunch of random books, and you know I'm 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 fascinated by this stuff, but I'm also fairly skeptical. And first of all, I will I will say this: this is not a good book, <laughs> but, but it was an interesting book, and it's it's called uh, "Many Lives, Many Masters," and it is uh, it's also I read this partially because of a writing project as well. And there was some research involved there, um, but it's about uh, past lives past life regression this guy's supposedly is a psychiatrist although
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> his,
1: his his writing ability <laughs> makes me question that to some degree um and i'm not going to go through the whole book but one of the things that i found interesting and i'm not saying that i believe this is true in fact i i think that um it's something that i have a lot of questions about but that is really fascinating at the same time is so the story of this book is essentially this one woman comes in and he does hypnosis with her and she kind of like starts jumping into past lives. That's the basis of the book. And he has no experience with that before. Um, but what's really fascinating is that in this story, we'll pretend it's a fictional story. He, as he guides her through these past lives, um, she's, Oh, she goes in. I forgot to say she goes in because she's having terrible anxiety, terrible panic attacks. Um, probably things like way worse than even what I've experienced. And as they go through these sessions, he's not trying to do anything to heal her. He's just literally letting her guide him through these things. But in the process of retelling these past lives, she slowly starts to get better. And, um, like she feels these, um, one of her, one of her panics is that she's choking. Well, after like, um, I think it's like the second week of sessions. Um, she takes him back to a past life where like, um, I think the, in one of them, she was like, her throat was cut as a young soldier. Another one, she was choked. Um, and as as she like relives these things without even working her way through them, like therapy, just reliving them, she's like freed of them. And I found it really interesting, just number one, because I'm not sure... In this case, I I do, I I do think that, that um, reincarnation is a possibility, but I don't think that that's, this case doesn't feel like this is reincarnation. It's just really (laughs) weird. Um, There's just, I mean, I guess I should clarify a little bit. So I'm not super confusing, but like, she doesn't know things that you would know if it's like your past life. You know, like he says, what's your name? And she's like, I I don't see that. I don't know. Well, how is this your past life? If you don't fucking know your name? (laughs) <laughs> where are you i'm not sure um so what what actually is touched on for one second in the book but i actually went off in my head a little bit is young's idea of the collective unconscious you're familiar with that yes i am so actually since i've been talking so much do you want to kind of explain the collective unconscious
0: that's kind of twice that it's come up um in the last week and a half for me um I mean, it's been a while since I've read the actual, the actual, you know, um,
1: archetypes in the collection yeah, of Yeah,
0: exactly. But, but ultimately it's, it's a collective memory that, that is shared, um, through your, ugh your lineage, your history, your, your, your cultural history, um,
1: your genetics basically. Yeah. Basically.
0: On. So I mean the, 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 concept that the reason why I came up in a conversation lately is because there's a concept of, of, of this thing called cellular memory, um, that your, your, your actual DNA remembers. Um, and that is being, that, that is being introduced as an idea, um, to support the <clears throat> collective unconscious
1: yeah so what what I found interesting about that idea the reason I bring it up is so maybe in this case we'll say that she's you know suffering some sort of trauma from memories from this collective unconscious and i i the idea of being freed of those things from from the past that maybe um it's almost like repressed memories but they're from other lives right maybe even lives that weren't yours it reminds me a lot of um of the idea that I said earlier about anxiety stacking up. And there's, I think what got me through this book so much is just the idea of being freed of things that are attacking you from um, from blind spots was really compelling because it, it just appealed to me so much where I'm like, oh, I wish I had past lives I could go through that <laughs> maybe were causing this, that I can clear this shit up because this is too much for me.
0: So I have no way of scientifically proving it one way or the other, but I definitely do feel like somewhere throughout the vein of, of human existence, there is a through line um, an almost continuous stream of consciousness that does pass itself along to us from generation to generation and from person to person. Um, You know, obviously, and, and knowing if anyone, obviously there are not very many people who listen to this podcast and me personally, but you'll, you'll know, inherently how skeptical i am the first hour and a half that you talk to me and so for me to to come to um a conclusion that something like this is inherently possible is it it requires a pretty big leap of faith um but i definitely do think there's something to it you know that the idea of it's always fascinated me and the the archetypes that that are are inherently part of like I think the the archetypes were were kind of stolen and you know in in various um, fictional forms, but I think the clearest version of it is the the one that's used for Game of Thrones. Um, but I mean, obviously, I don't have any of this in front of me, so this is all coming off the top of my head. Um, but I, I do think that there's something to it. You know, I definitely do think that that throughout the course of human history, there are, there are scar points um, that that have definitely lashed themselves to our subconscious that i think will remain with us until a long enough period of time has has softened them or or pushed them far enough back that they don't become conscious thoughts anymore
1: and i think what what's far too common um especially among atheists um which i would i would count myself in that group to some degree even though i'm i'm probably more of an agnostic um the The thing that becomes far too common is we accept this idea of okay, when you die, it's done, your life's over with um but then we we don't actually stop to think about how when you really dig into that idea, it lacks a lot of logic um in in a sense that it seems to contradict the logic of other parts of the universe that the rest of the universe if if we're to believe science, which i do um not all of it, because I know that some of it is just, you know, growing and burgeoning. Uh, but if we're to believe science, that things operate by a very intricate, far in- more intricate than we could even imagine, system. That there's some systematized, um, you would almost stretch to use the word reason. You know, that the, uh, a flower dies and decomposes. Why? because then it puts nutrients back into the soil and that nutrients goes back into another plant. So you have this cycle. There's this reasoning to it. That's what I mean when I use the word reasoning. I'm not going into uh, whys of, of existence, but there's a reason to the why things happen the way they happen in science. And then if you take that and apply it to the concept of human consciousness and to think that we die and then that is it, that seems really stupid.
0: Seems inefficient, yeah.
1: It seems like it's like it's just uh, if we okay. Well, that one thing is just completely arbitrary. Oops, sorry. I mean, it's possible, of course, because we don't know. But it seems stupid. Um, so to believe either in a collective unconscious that yes, maybe we all do just die, but that something that we've learned in this life is um, uploaded you know, to this grand consciousness, that brings a reason to it and a logic to it that maybe is lacking. Or um, the idea of of reincarnation. You know, you see in science, like I said, with the plant thing, uh, nothing dies, nothing, what is it? Nothing is created nor destroyed. Yep. Everything is recycled. Well, why wouldn't the human soul be recycled? You know, I know there's no proof that we have human soul, but there is definitely something that makes us different than a stone.
0: Well, let's take let's take the soul aspect out of the equation for a second, right? Let's just take the 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 collective experience of you know, like if, for a human body, for example, right? Like all these collective experiences that we have throughout the course of our lifetimes, um, you know, we assume that it's all stored in one particular place in the brain. You know, the hippocampus determines um, the 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 course of your memories and how they're shaped and all that kind of stuff. But how 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 do we how can we completely remove the possibility that our bodies remember that? You know what I mean? Um, that the, 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 the nucleuses of ourselves retain some information um, that we've gathered throughout the course of our lifetimes. And as we die, and that gets recycled back into um the universe again how do we know that that, that knowledge isn't then in whatever small and ununderstandable form that we have as 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 creatures now how do we know that, that that experience itself is not recycled back into the the universe in whatever form like whether it's into the soil and then into a plant that's then eaten by another human which then you know lashes onto some part of that that subconscious understanding that that transcends individuals
1: there's i mean the older I get and the more that I contemplate these things, and I'm I'm actually contemplating this from a very cynical point of view, the yeah, more so things they, like this seem logical.
0: Yeah, same here. I, I completely agree with you. I would have called bullshit on myself at 20 immediately.
1: And it, you know it's, I mean? it's, a, it's an unfortunate bias because we can look at so many other things with, with relative logic. And then we believe that this is logical. But when you actually really dig into it um, and you really start pushing on the boundaries of it, it doesn't stretch. It just, it's brittle and it starts to shatter and it seems really, really dumb. And I can't think of a lot of things in the universe that are just plain dumb.
0: You know what I think part of it is too, I think, you know, and this is definitely true. Like, I mean, I, I, you know um, whether it's uh, the stuff that I studied in, in, in psychology or like I actually studied adolescent psychology for a while. And one of the things that, 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 is very necessary when you're young is a very black and white world you know you need to know why things are the way that they are you need to know that fire is hot and that you know water is wet and that snow is cold but as you get older and older and your your mind transcends the tangible you then can allow yourself the ability to to grasp at the intangible and be okay with not having answers that are just yes or no and i think that's that's part of it that's definitely true for me um, is that I feel like as I, I get older, I wonder differently. I'm amazed differently. Um, and I contemplate the universe with I believe to be a, what I believe to be a broader um, acceptance that anything is possible um, and that I don't have all the answers. And I think that has to come with... It comes with age. It comes with wisdom. And more importantly, I think it comes with confidence. The more you know about yourself, the more you're willing to accept that you don't know about the universe.
1: Now, there's certain boundaries that... They break down once they're they separate from ego, and as as most people get older, um they begin to separate from their ego more and more um and maybe it's kind of like what I was saying before life to some degree beats the ego out of you um but <laughs> The idea of, of of the human soul. I, I, don't, I
0: don't know why I thought that was so
1: funny. For I don't know. Were you Were you thinking that I was making a masturbation reference there?
0: Yeah, a little bit. And then I and then I <laughs> thought back to the boxing. And then I I thought of how like weirdly how weirdly perfect it is, considering you're talking about ego and how the collective unconsciousness and Carl Jung kind of gave way to psychoanalysis from Freud and like it all weirdly ties together. <laughs>
1: Oh, but what's weird to me about it is that we 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 discount the idea of, and this is going this is hard terminology to use without um, sounding like I'm drifting into religion, which I'm not. But the idea of a human soul, Um, when most most um, scientifically minded people would find the idea of a soul um, at least dubious, if not completely ridiculous. Yet at the same time. There's more evidence that there is something that, change, that that is different in a living creature than in a non-living creature than there is evidence of black holes, dark matter, and until recently, the Higgs boson. Yeah. But we believe those things exist, and that's not ridiculous to us at all, even though for the most part, to be honest, black holes are complete fiction. We have never seen one. But we can see... That when I hold this coffee mug and I put it next to my head, guess what? I'm fundamentally different than it. You know, like I I have a contemplation of my own existence. I mean, like what we're doing right now. And if the word
0: for that I will use is soul. Because there is no other word for that. You know what's fascinating too? Like, I mean, one of the the, and it's weird how how little we question about the human experience when it comes to that kind of thing, right? Like, if you contemplate science for what it is, and then you think of something like empathy, empathy is actually a pretty remarkable thing. Um, It's it's it's. I'm not even sure where I'm going with this. I just know that I'm fascinated by those concepts right now. You know, like the, the the idea that that human empathy can stretch beyond a certain point. Like you can cry at a movie. I mean, our ability to 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 rationalize our, you know, to have the empathy necessary to 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 feel what another person is feeling is pretty remarkable.
1: And it stretches far beyond the bounds of what you would say is needed for survival. Of course, which is all. If we are going to be strictly scientific, that's all we need, and that's technically all we should have. Unless there's some other like thing we're saying you know, like this collective con- unconscious that we're collecting experiences you know that there's some other meaning there's some other purpose to the universe that we have yet to unravel because we're so tiny and we have learned so little and we have not been here long enough to understand all of this stuff ah uh, it's 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 fascinating to me because i just i don't i i I had another point. And
0: I completely lost it. Can't remember, <laughs> which is okay. It happens. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's going a weird. This conversation is going into places that even you and I have never gone. Um, mm-hmm. In the sense that I feel, I feel, I feel lost at how big the contemplations are that we have in front of us right now. You know, because yeah. I mean, we're we're now talking about stretching back through the span of human history. And imagine, imagine if we if we somehow figured out that that were true, right? Like if we if we somehow one day had a scientific understanding that was broad enough and deep enough that we could define that sense of social unconsciousness and the the idea of a, a societal memory, like just a cellular memory that transcends the individual. I mean, think of how how inherently different we would have to look at our own species and our, our traversing through history. Um, the moment that becomes true
1: well you know i think that some of the reason that our development into things like this um either proving or disproving things like this is is, has been so incremental is because we waste so much time with human disagreements you know like the, the wars and and politics and all this other shit that we waste our time with the i mean go back and i I mentioned this before, but I watched the CNN 80s thing, um, and which is fantastic, by the way. And I would recommend that to anyone, um, especially if you lived through the 80s. Maybe if you didn't, this is not as interesting. But go back and when you watch, there's like two or three episodes where they're talking about the politics of the 80s and how detached you are from it and how completely unthreatening anything in it is because it's that meaningless that in 30 years, what was. You know, like we could be nuked at any time by Russia. That was a real threat. Um, Probably a more, in some ways, a more frightening and dangerous time than we continually tell ourselves that we're in right now. Um, But 30 years later, it doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean a damn thing. So we waste all of this time with these things that don't mean anything in 10, 20, 30 years. And and I, I think a lot of that is tied to language. We're just, we're in, we're our inability to actually communicate between two human beings. Um, that's why even though like all this VR stuff, I mean, uh, virtual reality stuff, I think is terrifying and, and kind of stupid. Um, I, I like this idea. It's also terrifying. Don't get me wrong because I can't conceptualize it. But the idea that one day they'll be able to um, have devices that people will be able to communicate thought to thought without having to use words because it opens the door for the possibility of all of this stuff going away.
0: Wasn't that an episode of Black Mirror? Probably. Like, I making, wouldn't doubt it. Or, or I want it to be one. Um, basically, the idea is if, if you could hear everyone's thought, would you want to?
1: <laughs> I think, well, I mean, first of all, it's it's, it's... it's not necessarily you would have to hear everyone's thought, right? You know, you're not trans. It's kind of like, um, I don't always have to speak for you to, for you to, you know, like I can keep some things inside of me and just like thoughts, you know, you can project one to somebody or you cannot. But I mean that you wouldn't be projecting words. You'd be tr- projecting the pure idea so that you wouldn't get caught in you know, like right there. Like if I had projected my pure idea to you, I wouldn't have to reiterate exactly what I meant because maybe the first time I, I lacked um, the finesse needed to make sure that you understood exactly what I was
0: saying. But if that, given that that's the case, would you, if you're projecting an idea for me or, or to me, would that would that idea still be interpreted inter, interpreted through filters that I've built up over my lifetime?
1: No, I don't think so because I think all of our filters are tied to language.
0: Oh, interesting. Sure. I mean, human history, human history doesn't exist without language. So I hear you. I I, I would say that.
1: What's this? Is why that idea of it is is both um, beautiful and terrifying because I question whether human consciousness exists without language. Oh, sure, huh? I mean, historically, they kind of showed up around the same time, didn't they? Yeah, as far they as we did. know, that's true. Yeah, um, yeah. So, talking about going into deep topics that we are not prepared to go into. There's a nice yeah, holy <laughs>
0: crap! I mean, I feel like I feel like this is a very different. Conversation than we've ever had before. I mean, this. I mean, I. I think if you you've read City of Glass by Paul Auster, right? Of course, yeah. So, so the idea of a purity of language, like the idea that that there's some kind of universally spoken language, and all of these languages that we've made up are just constructs that simplified that language um, for the masses. Uh, um, I don't. Do you think that that's possible? Like, there's there's some pure form of language out there that we just don't quite understand.
1: No, not as long as it's verbal, mm. because the the transference of thought into sounds th- th- you lose something every time. I mean, how many times have you said something and not been able to say what you actually were thinking? Oh, sure. And that's you to you. Yeah, good point. Um, it's it's just it's 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 frightening to think about, but at the same time. I mean, if something like that were to happen, maybe that's the next stage of human evolution.
0: Yeah, I mean, huh? Weird, that's, right? And yeah, it's, it's completely feasible. Yeah, it is completely feasible because I mean, it, we we always think of evolution as a physical thing, right? So we, and and sure, there's probably a physical component to it, but you know, so much of of human evolution, even within the span of time in which we've 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 formed cities and, and groups of people have banded together to form governments and, and write laws and stuff. I mean, there's, there's, there's so much social evolution, um, and cultural revolution or cultural, um, evolution that, that all kind of simultaneously happens. And we might be on the cusp of the, the, the two of those reaching a point where they have to move together versus how they've moved in the past where, you know, our, 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 our physical evolution, because I think our physical evolution can no longer keep up with our social and technological evolution, right. you know? And so from that perspective, any any growing we're going to do as a species is going to be a growing that we choose, like a an evolution that has a, a will, you know, a determination to it that leads to a certain point that is collectively decided upon by society.
1: Well, we might be moving towards, when those three things unite, we actually might be moving towards what you could term as a spiritual evolution. That the spirit of what it means to be human fundamentally changes. Starfleet. And, Sorry. <laughs> and that's completely possible because of the fact that um you think about uh, a caterpillar, right? And, well, if you ask a caterpillar everything about life, and you know, so, I assuming mean, a caterpillar can talk, of course, but you ask a caterpillar everything about life, he's gonna tell you about the trees, he's gonna tell you about you know the the dirt and all everything is gonna be contained in his experience but he doesn't know that he's going to be a butterfly. He doesn't know what it's like to fly yet. He doesn't know that that's even a possibility because he hasn't lived that long enough. And what the physical evolution of the human being may just be the caterpillar stage of our existence. There may be another form of existence that we move into that we can't even conceptualize because our species has not existed long enough. To to some degree, you can if you've read um, Childhood's End by Arthur C. Clarke. That is Clarke, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that's this is this is something that he talks about in that book. Is you actually see humans evolve uh, to where they no longer need a physical form? And who knows? That's that's completely possible. So maybe all of this collective unconscious is moving us towards that. We don't know, but to assume that we do. Is actually pretty vain.
0: Yeah, do you know the, uh, do, do you have any, uh, you, do you know what the Kardashev scale is? What? The Kardashev scale?
1: No, I haven't heard that before.
0: Um, it's the um, levels of um, civilizations based on a, a scale um, kind of mocked up by, by, energy um the energy consumption within a, on a planet like Kardashev level one for example a, a civilization that's Kardashev level one um can harness all the power on their own planet uh, Kardashev uh, scale level two is within their own solar system three is the galaxy four is the universe so um I've been I've been kind of fascinated by this whole life on other planets thing and why um if there is life on other planets we've never found it um or have any evidence of it um and one of the one of the things um, that um, it, it's called the Fermi paradox. Um, mm. You know, if there's if there's all this life out there, like why have we not seen any of it? Well, one of the things is that um, one of the postulations. I forget who it was. I think it was some Swedish guy who 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 came up with the the concept that at some point in every um, civilization's evolution, they realize they don't have to physically evolve anymore, and once they reach that point, then their their collective consciousness is then. Uh, built into some form of biomechanical AI that, that stores all of their experience as a civilization and expands their experience with, as a civilization based on um, almost a, a, a far more advanced version of what we consider to be virtual reality. Um, so, yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe we're just evolving past a physical form. And maybe at some point, um, these these husks of meat, these fragile husks of meat that decay will no longer be what humanity is.
1: Well, plus there's two other things that would explain the Fermi paradox too, right? I would think maybe in reality, it's a mixture of what you said and two these two things as well. Number one, it's huge out there. <laughs> Nobody's yeah. just came into our neighborhood yet. <laughs> I mean, it... The the lions in the zoo don't know that you know forty feet away there's zebras. That's true. It, they've never seen them. It's, they just never come around. Uh, of course, I'm taking out the fact that they can smell them. But um,
0: and then Why, dude, we we barely even we barely even uh, most of what we understand about our solar system is still pretty much a guess.
1: Totally, and we have no idea even how big it is, right? So who knows? Maybe they're just really far away. Um but there's also the idea that everybody assumes that they're on the level as us or older. What if sure. they're younger? you know what, yeah. if, they're, what if they're still I mean, amoeba
0: I, I actually I actually wrote a short story about that some time ago um in that you know ten thousand years from now, like the 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 next civilization that rises discovers us
1: yeah, what if unfortunately for the universe, we are the most advanced living life forms. <laughs> That's terrifying. Oh,
0: poor universe. <laughs> poor universe. They'll
1: survive just fine because we'll blow ourselves up way before they have to worry about us.
0: And what's there's there's um there's there's part of that in the, the Kardashev slash um, Fermi paradox discussion too about there being barriers um, to evolution. Like once you reach a certain part, a certain level of technological evolution, you either purposefully or accidentally destroy yourself.
1: Yeah. And, and it seems completely feasible when you look at. Yeah. Pretty much we ain't far in the news. Off from it now. Yeah. Watch oh, two man. people have a conversation in a bar and wonder how we made it this far.
0: Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> or just, just see some children out there in the world. Ah, uh, don't I don't mean to say that. I'm sorry, kids. You oh. know,
1: um, actually, I have my list in front of me. This is a good time to jump into something I've had on the list for a long time because oh. it kind of fits into oddly fits into what we've been talking about. Have you watched the new Doctor Who yet? I have not. Okay, because um, it doesn't fit specifically into the paradox of what we're talking about. Um, but it approaches the, it, at points, approaches the depth level of some of the stuff that we've been talking about. Um,
0: the, the new Who no longer is a kid show. It's fully an adult show now.
1: And it's it's every episode feels like a movie. That's it's, crazy. It's a weird transition when you watch the first two episodes. You're gonna be like, "Wow, well, this is cool," but at the same time, you're also gonna be thinking, "Like, I don't know if I like this," because it feels a little weird. It doesn't. I mean, anytime, anytime the doctor changes, you have that feeling, right? right. But there's a seriousness to it. I mean, um, people die. <laughs>
0: And, and I'm going to be real with you. I've always wanted to, Who to go in that direction. So I'm pretty happy about that.
1: Well, I mean, you, if, um, if anybody saw my post about my top, my top list of the year, my number one show from last year um, was Broadchurch, season three of Broadchurch. Mm-hmm. And the showrunner of Broadchurch is now the person that's running Doctor Who. And Broadchurch is a stark realistic show about a uh, crime and it's i mean it's powerful it's, it's a very powerful show and to see some of that in who is a little disconcerting and amazing at the same time but i feel like this kind of discussion is something that could be broached on that version of doctor who now because it's able to go to that
0: depth now how much how much of it have you watched almost a full season so we're talking season 11 here for listeners I mean from from a purely um creative perspective but I mean how how is the the production of the show in comparison to other seasons like is the quality still very much there
1: The quality makes the other ones look stupid <laughs> I'm I'm serious like yes. the special I mean the yeah the special effects I, like literally when I say like it looks like a movie I would put the special effects on par with like um with the Avenger movies Jeez. where you're like oh that's not a person but sure i know that's a cgi generation of a of a creature but they look like they're really there man i it doesn't so have that sheen that. i you mean
0: know that sheen
1: of cheap cgi
0: it doesn't yeah, have yeah 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 that that like crappy veneer shiny veneer yeah veneer. um you need to watch I, that, it that makes me very excited cuz i've always wanted who to go in that direction
1: and jody Whittaker is fantastic as a docker it is a little strange um adjusting to the fact that she's a woman not because i'm sexist or anything but after hundreds and hundreds of episodes of a character being a man um it's not that i'm watching it going damn i wish she was still a man but i'm watching it and going wow she's a great character and i had to keep reminding myself by the way that's the doctor be you know it just it doesn't connect it takes a little while for that to connect like oh yeah it's the, that's the doctor that's the yeah doctor. yeah do you keep expecting a man um just from training sure um which I actually is an interesting topic to talk about, too, that um, the idea of, you know, like when people change sexes, that's yeah. going to be difficult for, um, no, I, don't, I don't mean um, families who, who don't go with, um, who, who think it's wrong and all that stuff. For people who completely support someone's sex change to actually conceptualize that, hey, I'm, I'm talking to that same person. Because you're expecting a man, and now it's a woman, or I said it—that's awful. You're expecting a man, and now that man is a woman, or you're expecting a woman, and now that woman is a man. And it, there's a, there's a part of your brain that has trouble making that switch over. And this—I'm—I'm I'm saying this from personal experience because I know someone who went through a sex change. Um, and there's a part of my brain that I've—I've I've wanted to talk about this for a while, actually. So I'm curious on your input if you've gone through this because I every time I see this person. Um, I have to remind myself, this is that other person.
0: They've you know, a, I, almost I, I like have, if
1: they change skin color.
0: I have a very strange perspective on this, actually. Um, so I have been friends with uh, someone who transitioned actually quite some time ago. And I always kind of knew that he was a woman. And so when he transitioned, it actually felt very right. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, I, and we, we always kind of talked about it, um, jokingly at first and then seriously later on as we got older. And I, I, sh- she was always a she to me for some reason. And I don't know why that is. Like, it, it, and even, even before she knew she was a she to her, it just felt more right for her to be a she. It was very strange.
1: I wonder if certain transitions, um, like there's only two kinds really, but I wonder if a man becoming a woman is easier than a woman becoming a man in conceptualizing. Mm. Perhaps. I don't I, I don't, I don't, I don't have any evidence for that, but I wonder um, because I know that the person I'm talking about um, was born in a female body and transitioned physically into a male body. And uh, I, I hope that's the right terminology. I'm not completely versed on all of this, but um, I, it's It's strange for me because um, the voice is deeper. and um you know, like there's all these cues that you automatically associate with a person. And uh, first of all, anybody listening, we're not saying anything is right or wrong here. These are not judgments. I'm just talking about the idea of of understanding someone's changed in a way that um, without surgery is not possible. Um so your brain is not really trained <laughs> to deal with these kind of transitions. Um, At least not naturally, Um, which is a really weird word to use in this conversation. And I'm only applying it to the brain and not to anything else. I know that's a sticky word for this stuff. Um, But your brain automatically... And maybe I should clarify. uh, When I use the word naturally, I'm not saying nature right or wrong. I'm using natural as in um, this happens automatically. That kind of use of the word natural. You know, like when I come home, naturally, I want to take off my shoes. You know that kind of thing. I'm not talking about uh, the correct use of nature. It's the other definition of nat- naturally. So the the mind habitually. There's a good way to say it. The mind habitually looks for these cues of the human being, and okay. when that when that's not there, it takes time to to register that. Well, I mean, at least for me, and I would assume for um, for some people, they have to share that with me, and I would I would be fascinated to to see someone do a study about what that process is like. And I I would love to read more about that because I imagine that that's a burgeoning science right now too, is how do we, how do we um, prepare for this? How do you prepare your family for this? If you're going to go through this, you know, you're not the only one going through it. How do you prepare your family for something that, I mean, if you're a parent, I imagine that's going to be very difficult because you watch this child grow from a baby and now it's a different sex. God, I keep saying it. Um, it is. I'm not trying to depersonalize. Um, I think it is just it's a non he or she word. So I always, um, I just grab that word. It sounds awful, um, and I don't mean it that way. But the, I'm talking about a non specific person too. So the word it pops up when it's non specific. But you watch this baby grow up as as a woman and now there's this male and you go that's that's the same baby and that has to be strange in 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 um in coping and we're like whoa okay that's my child sure
0: i wonder what that's like as a parent yeah i can't i can't imagine
1: I know there's some very supportive parents out there, and those gotta kind of be some very incredible human beings, or they just they have some pretty amazing brains.
0: Yeah, because can't... I
1: I'm fully supportive of this stuff, but I also have trouble completely having my brain kick that in like you did.
0: Well, don't get me wrong. That's not. That's not. I'm not saying I'm any better or worse. Or, or worse or, I'm not saying I'm any better or any worse than anyone. I've also had transitioned people I know who have transitioned that are similar to your experience too, as well. Where I now have to get used to them being a completely different person in my mind. It's just that one particular case in which that person was always inherently female in my brain for some reason.
1: Yeah, I mean, this sounds strange, but it, at first you find yourself missing someone. Yeah. Um, Like, for example, we'll say uh, Jane became John. Okay? Well, you knew Jane for 30 years. Like, every once in a while, you'll catch yourself going, man, I haven't seen Jane in a long time. I miss Jane. And then all of a sudden, your brain kicks in and goes, Chad, Jane is John. Oh, that's right. And it's... it's... (laughs) it's very disconcerting it's kind of incredible to i mean to go through it to 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 watch somebody become um the person that they feel they are um but it is it is on um, on a subconscious level is very disconcerting
0: yeah and not only that but i mean throughout the course of our, our human experience we've never really broadly socially accepted that um as as a part of the human condition so this is all actually very new you know how we see it how we deal with it these are not concepts that we've understood through the test of time so we don't have the right tools either socially or otherwise to to properly deal with it and even even in its current form like we're still learning how to properly deal with it you know right. what I
1: mean, i mean we don't even have the language yet i mean look yeah. at how many times i accidentally said it about a human being
0: well i mean and even understanding it purely from a conceptual level the difference between gender and sex and how that defines a human being is 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 constantly up for debate at this point
1: point. And, and there's an, there's the edgy um there's the edge of it too where you're like like i'm i'm you know i'm i've been very careful in my wording and still you know made clumsy mistakes in this but you're conscious of like, oh, I, I, is that how I'm supposed to say it? Because we don't know yet. We haven't been trained yet on on the way that, you know, and I mean, trained as in the people who, who don't experience this don't know how people who do want it to be talked about. What what language do they prefer? We, sure. we don't, we have to train each other. It's you know, just like um, anything else. You know, like if, if you're going to come over my house and um, I don't, I'm one of those people who drive me nuts, by the way, that don't, that make you take off your shoes when you come in their house. Um, which is a different topic altogether <laughs> I have to quote-unquote train you you know like oh, remember when you come over to my house don't wear shoes well people do that with language too like by the way I don't like when you use that word and it's not just offensive words it's just certain words like when you say that word I think of this oh okay
0: which is yeah, very wh- different than triggers I hate triggers yeah we also have to be really careful, yeah, I was going to say like the next step for me was triggers and and, and I hate' that shit. And like, oh, dude, it's, it's obnoxious. Um, People
1: think they have the right not to be offended, and sorry, you don't.
0: yeah, um, well, not only that, but I mean the, there's a difference between between being offended and something being incorrect, right? Like if you're choosing to be offended by something, I mean don't get me wrong, to a certain point, there there are things that are actually offensive, you know what I mean
1: Right, but, and purposefully yeah, and purposefully. We, we've lost the connection to intent.
0: Sure.
1: You know, like if, if somebody out there who has transitioned or is thinking about transitioning heard what I said there and took offense at it, guess what? That's kind of their problem because yeah. I'm not trying to offend them. I'm not trying to hurt them. Um, I'm trying to stumble my way through something that I'm, like you said, that's new that we're learning about. And that's actually their choice. I don't want to do that. I'm not trying to do that. I hope that that, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen, but it's not my fault if somebody takes offense at it because they've made that choice and it's the same with anything else, you know, like um, somebody could call me a Guinea because I'm Italian. I can choose to be offended at that or I can, which most of the time I probably would because usually when somebody says that they're trying to be an asshole. But if I, if I heard somebody trying to describe, I, I don't know, describe what an Italian was to somebody who'd never heard of Italian then that's my choice of whether I'm offended by that
0: yeah and 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 that also speaks to something that we've talked about on this show, which is you know every every situation like that is an opportunity to educate, and so few people choose to do that within that moment,
1: right, and I think that one of my favorite things about this show is you know it potentially anything we say on here is potentially dangerous in the sense that somebody could freak out and then we have a Twitter storm. Of, of people attacking us. But I think we have to get past that stage of humanity. We need to get to the stage where where it, it's okay again to talk about things that we're not sure how to talk about because it's the only way we learn how to talk about them. Sure. You know, well, if, we like,
0: don't, if, we, if we don't talk about them, nothing ever gets solved.
1: <laughs> I guarantee you the next time you and I have a conversation with anyone about uh, transitioning... It will be smoother than this one was because we had this one and the one after that will be smoother. And, and, and especially if we start actually talking to people who have gone through it of and course. educating ourselves from them. But even without that, just talking about it with other people and not being afraid to have those conversations and not being afraid for people to shit all over you on the
0: internet. God, how scared are we to talk about things now as a society? I don't give a fuck anymore. Well, yeah, you don't. But I'm just saying, like, in general, like most people are, I mean, especially and I don't know what your your perspective is on it as a white male. But damn, it's the wrong time to be a white male.
1: (laughs) You know, I don't worry about that because I, I honestly, I believe that racism, sexism, all of these things, they're equal. In the sense that racism is always racism. I don't believe that. I don't believe this bullshit about power dynamics changing whether something's racist or not. I, if you're I racist against yeah. somebody, you're racist against them. So yeah. if you hate me because I'm white, then you're a racist. And that's exactly. your fucking problem, not mine. I
0: completely agree with that.
1: I, that's I can't change it. That's how I was born. <laughs> just like no you know like uh, uh, just like anybody born in any other situation of, of race or nationality they can't change it that's how they were born or is sexual orientation that's how they were born and i think that this people are playing power dynamics that's why i really want you to read that the coddling of the american mind because there's a lot about this uh, struggling for 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 power as like an entertainment form of entertainment that people really just like to tear people down because they go, got that fucker. And they know the whole call out culture, but the people who live within call out culture live their lives terrified because they know that any moment somebody could call them out for something.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it turns quickly too. Well, that's one of those live, live by the sword, die by the sword, right? Like if you, if you operate in that environment and you constantly call other people out and you're aggressive about it sooner or later, it's going to come back to you. You know, right. I'm, I'm actually kind of dealing with, you know, you know, I work a little bit in politics and, and so I'm actually, I've been, of course, I'm not going to name names because I don't want to get dragged out of my house and beaten, but I'm definitely dealing with that right now in politics. And you'd be, you'd be shocked at how rife it is in that, in that arena. Well,
1: yeah, because it's a popularity contest
0: yeah and it's it's almost about it's almost about who can be more offended than whom you know what i mean like that's it's such a weird concept to me that people are are, are trying to outdo each other and how offended they are towards things
1: well, you know it's like it's like it's it's actually literally almost the same thing as when you're a little kid and you know someone's there's the, someone you someone's about to pick on you, but you pick on the person next to you to take the attention off yourself mm. It's the same psychological drive where these people are just like, I'm going to destroy this person. I'm going to destroy this person because then people will think I'm awesome and they won't attack me. And it's, I mean, it's time to call out, call out culture. Like, come on, let's go back to being reasonable, loving human beings and stop being assholes. I don't care what you stand for. If you're being an asshole for that thing, you're an asshole and you're ruining that thing.
0: Yeah, agreed. Whatever you stand for, you're pissing all over it. And and not, not only that, but that, that goes both ways. That doesn't just apply to, to conservatives or liberals or anyone. They, that literally applies to everyone. If you're an asshole, you're an asshole regardless of what the belief system is. Oh, yeah.
1: Everything I say about that stuff is across the board. Just like I said, racism is racism. Sexism sure. is sexism. You know, there's none of this, This uh, well, because of this, it's okay for me to make fun of him because he's white. No. No. Not I mean, okay. And, you can you can feel that way, but guess what? You know, take these just like what we did with the science thing. You know, like to take these things to the extreme and really think about it. Like, okay, so if we accept that it's okay to pick on me, you know, like I'm the representation right now, straight white male, um, it's okay to pick on me because of this power dynamic and because of this power dynamic. Well, in 30 years, say that you know only 10 percent of the U.S. population is white males. Well, guess what? Now I'm 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 an abused minority, and now you're in the position that I'm in. So uh, you, you know, changed anything? You just turned it on its head,
0: and that's gross. yeah. You are you are describing certain parts of the Bay Area already, actually. Totally, and
1: that's why it's that's why I think that things that try to overcompensate to equalize things don't work because we just have to get to a point where we go. Let's just all, let's not, let's, let's stop playing the catch-up game. And let's just all be equal. Sure. Let's just do that now. You know, not like, well, because you did this to me for five years, I'm going to do it to you for five years. And then after that, we'll be equal. No, because that builds resentment and resentment leads to other things. At a certain point, you just have to go, fuck, this sucked. And I can't believe this happened. And I can't believe it's still happening in places. Can we stop? Can we all stop?
0: Well, which is why it, it, it hits the nail on the head for something that I, I I constantly harp on, which is if it's about justice, let it be about justice, but don't ever let it be about payback.
1: Yes. And there's, um, I wish I could remember the terminology from the book, but it, he talks about that, or they talk about that in The American uh, Coddling of the American Mind, um, this idea of attacking, excuse me, Opposing somebody um you know what i'm I'm actually not going to touch on it because I can't pull the words together, so I'll end up just rambling but they they talk about similar things in there where it's it's the the intent of things and um it, it's gone, and we're just we're we're literally indulging instead of actually doing something <sighs> Oh, this has been a heavy, heavy episode. Yeah,
0: who knew? Like, I mean, it's it's weird because I never think we can get heavier, and we just constantly do it.
1: <laughs> I know, and I, they, they and once again, I got to like one thing on my list.
0: Yeah, um, I didn't. I literally didn't get to anything on my list.
1: Why don't you get to something right now? We still have some time left, so
0: um, wires. Um, at some point, <laughs> yeah. I know. Sorry, that's. I'm not known for my segues, obviously. Um,
1: <laughs> wires. That was. But when, but, but what <laughs> What's up with those things, wires?
0: What's up with wires? I'm going full slide felt on it. <laughs> Good Lord. Um. So wires. Um. So I I I I, I haven't really paid attention um, to, to how few wires I have in my life now compared to how many wires I had in my life just like five years ago. And it's really fascinating to, to see how quickly that transition happened. You know, the, the reason why it came to mind was because recently I started using a Wacom tab again um, for photo editing and graphic design. And I had to use the USB cord to plug in the actual pad for the Wacom tab. And it bugged me like I was really annoyed that I had to carry an extra cable around. And and it's shocking how quickly that happened.
1: At the same time it it, it cleared up and then at the same time um for Apple users it got worse in some ways. Because like now if I want to travel, I've got to take a if I want to take my laptop and I want to take my phone and I want to take my watch, I need a charger for my watch, I need a lightning charger for my phone and I need a USB-C charger. For my laptop. So I tripled.
0: Yeah, true. But now, like, I mean, if you if you chose to, you'd never have to carry a cable for your headphones ever again. Um, at some point in the near future, laptop charging is going to change. I assume that's going to change probably in the next three or four years. Um, and yeah, the iPhone, I mean, I, I why hasn't someone made a joint wireless dock for the phone and the watch yet?
1: Yeah, I'm sure somebody has, to be honest. I'm sure.
0: I'm sure it's out there somewhere, yeah.
1: I don't know. I'm curious to see what direction all that stuff goes. But I agree that it is amazing how looking at my desk right now, I have a fair amount of wires, but that's because I have an external um, hard drive plugged in. I have a dongle because I need to connect everything to this laptop with a dongle. But then I have wire going to this microphone, which is unavoidable. I have wire going to the headphone. I have wire going to the computer to the wall. And then connecting to the monitor, but my keyboard, no wire, my trackpad, no wire. so relatively considering the complexity of my setup, relatively simple.
0: But to be honest with you though, I, I think it's just because the protocols and the programming hasn't caught up with the the idea yet. Um, you know our wireless technology for advan- for as advanced as it is just really isn't that advanced yet. You know, like the the ability to have a microphone, for example, that's wireless is not impossible. It's actually, it's there are actually plenty of microphones out there that are wireless. The problem is that there's too much latency between the connection um, of the devices right now. So, it's it's not that it's 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 not on the horizon. It's that we haven't quite developed it to the point where things can be wireless. Like your headphones shouldn't be wired. You know what I mean?
1: Right, but. You're not going to get, like you said, you're not going to, we would never be able to, we've tried it before.
0: (laughs) Yeah, of course. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that with the current, with technology as it currently stands, it's not possible, but it's not because the technology itself can't do it. It's that we haven't quite figured out the best way to do it yet.
1: And what also bears pointing out is I'm using a laptop as a desktop, which automatically requires a little bit more wires because a desktop has ports,
0: you know, so... That's part and and a bigger hard drive. (laughs) But let's also talk about like, I just got rid of a MacBook that was eight years old. And I will tell you now, the amount of power in my phone is at least double that of that laptop.
1: Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. And at the same time, you know, it's it's funny because I guess in in sort of it it plays into some of the stuff on the list. But um, the more powerful this stuff gets, the less I want to do with most of it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm going the complete opposite direction, man. If I could be plugged into the Matrix now, I totally would be.
1: I'm so over all of it. I'm like, I was watching that 80s thing and I'm like, I want to go back to the 80s. <laughs> I think that was... That's actually, that's my, my journal entry for today for the,
0: for you the know, website. You know, I really wish... I really, really wish I could make mixtapes again.
1: Yeah, well, you could. You just go have to find some archaic technology.
0: Well, that's the problem is you, you don't make mixtapes for yourself. You make them for other people. And it would be weird for me to hand someone like a Sony Walkman with a tape.
1: Yeah, but here, or just hand them the tape. We're like, good luck finding a way to put yeah,
0: it. Yeah, good luck. That's if the exact gold. thing to get thrown in the trash.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Leave this on the dashboard. Yeah. That was such a great time, though. You know, like the thing about, like, what, one of the things that I touched on in that journal entry is the idea of of technology had its place. Um, which sounds like a weird way to say this, but, um, it had its own place. It had its own pocket, you know, now technologies, it's like, it's got its tentacles and everything. There's refrigerators that connect to the internet. Like who the fuck needs that? Um, it's just my doorbell connects to the internet.
0: You know, you know, <laughs> you know I, I kind of disagree. and I, I kind of agree and disagree with that. I don't think it's, it's that. The, the problem isn't that technology is that is ubiquitous i think that the problem is that we didn't culturally evolve along with the technology so the technology seems really jarring in every version of its its iteration that we see now like i mean you know seriously who the shit needs a refrigerator that can talk to your hub your wireless hub you know but you might not be asking that question 20 years from now, or 50 years from now, when the, the technology becomes possible for you to have um, food transported into your fridge because of your wireless connection. I just don't think, you know, with a lot of the technology, like even with phones now, like look at how not ready we were for smartphones and how horribly people abuse them.
1: <laughs> well, there's, a, there's a part, I think it's the fifth episode of the 80s, where they go into technology. You know, obviously, Apple plays a big part in that as well as um, IBM and, and Microsoft in that episode. But they talk about all these other I mean, smaller things that were being made, you know, not the, not the huge things, but you know, like stuff that didn't survive or just crazy weird shit that they made in the 80s. And one of the things the guy said, he said, it was the 80s was a time where people were making things just because they could. Yeah, There wasn't a need. But it was they could make it, and I feel like that's what we're doing now. Like we don't need this, but we're gonna make it. We don't need, you know. Like I'm gonna be completely honest, even though I use it, I don't fucking need an iPad. It actually serves no independent purpose of its own. Um, If if I have a laptop, it does everything that that does. You know, like I can do that there. I don't need an iPad. So we manufactured need for this object. The same thing with cell phones. We didn't need them. We manufactured the need for that.
0: Well, the, you see, this is the reason why I think that we, the technology isn't the problem. It's where we we are culturally. Is because I think if we had evolved to the point where the technology was needed in order to establish a sense of efficiency that we didn't have to complete certain tasks, then that would make sense. But. We, I mean, I play Angry Birds on my phone. I'm sure that's not what the intended, you know, the intention of the device was. You know what I mean? Or at least what it's what it's capable of. If humanity had had evolved its technological need to a certain cultural point. Yeah, it's.
1: I mean, it's just.
0: I don't know. Like, now we I mean, we there's we will need it. We're just not we as the idiots we are now don't need
1: it. <laughs> I don't think we need any of it. We don't need it.
0: Uh, I don't know. I mean, if we're traveling, if we're traversing the, the the infinite expanse of the universe, we might need it.
1: Oh, there, yeah, but here, that's, no. That's
0: what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like culturally, we're just not ready for it because we're but, a bunch of morons. But I think we you know, just
1: confuse the word "need" need with like "want." You know, like yeah, I need a cell phone. No, you don't. There's not a human being on the planet that needs a cell phone.
0: But that's but that's our that's the consumer culture that's been built for us, though. You know what I mean? Like every everything's a need. Like I don't need a new coffee machine every three years. You know, I I could use a a, 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 a jar of glass and a paper filter and make coffee for myself in a much more efficient and 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 earth friendly way. But I don't. I have a coffee machine. You know, I I don't need a new iPhone every two years, but I get one anyway.
1: Yeah, well, I get one every year because it's yeah. the plan I have. It's not even because I like I didn't even want the one that I got this year. <laughs> I'm Just. <laughs> I just got it because I'm like, well, I might as well.
0: Yeah, um, but let's be let's be real. Though. Your iPhone Ten is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I mean it's great, but the more I use it, the more I don't want to use it. You know, like for three days I deleted Instagram off of it. I'm like, get this, get this away from me. I'm like pushing this shit away. I don't want it. If I could find out a way to do podcasts without the computer, I would do it in an instant. You know, if I had the money, where I could just go into a studio and just talking into the microphone, and then somebody did all the magic afterwards, and I just went home, I would do that.
0: Do you... Hmm, I'm trying to formulate a, a logical question here.
1: I'll give do, you another example. Go for it. If, if I could... I, basically, what, let me boil it down, actually. Anything that I... What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get to a point where I use technology for things that I have to use it for. And I don't use it superficially. My my mouth is slowly losing the ability to enunciate. I don't use it excessively. You know, I don't run to the computer for everything. I don't do this. And just okay, to upload these episodes, yeah, I have to use a computer because I can't mail it in. So that's what I'm trying to get to a place of.
0: If you... hmm. I'm still formulating the question. That's
1: why I'm attached to the 80s because the 80s seemed like it was one of the last times, you can probably extend it in the 90s too, where technology was that. You know, like if you bought a refrigerator, the refrigerator was there to hold your food. You didn't go to the refrigerator until you were hungry or you were putting something in it. And that's still the way we function with refrigerators. That we found the perfect form of the refrigerator and we said, there. And that's what it does. And, uh, you know, like the television, you don't turn on the television. Of course, they take uh, video games out of the question here, but you don't turn on television unless you're going to watch it. And otherwise, it just sits there and waits. But we have all these... Uh, the internet, on the other hand, is this technology that encroaches itself into our lives. As opposed to us going to it, it comes to us. It buzzes at us. It beeps at us. It sends us notifications. You know, it's coming at us. I don't want it coming at me anymore. I want to go to it. I want to, you know, like, I need this. Okay, this is the thing that I use for that. I want these things to become tools again and not part of my life. or And or
0: or they run your life. I mean, there are people who set up their lives to be run by their technology.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's... And when you really start boiling stuff down, you know, like, if, if I were really to, like... If I were to... Really strip things down and go. What do I actually need? Just like podcast stuff, I can find like five things that I'm like. I'm doing that. I have this thing doing that or whatever. Nobody probably really cares about that, so I could probably get rid of that. You know, like for example, posting articles. How many people are actually reading the articles that I post on the social media? One, two people maybe. You know, maybe I'm you know maybe I'm being a little pessimistic, but not a huge percentage. So if I stopped posting them. I don't think anybody would be butthurt. It's, True. It's, it it plays into um I was listening to have you ever listened to the ATP accidental tech tech podcast?
0: I duck I can't say that I have.
1: So it's these three guys and they just basically they talk about the world of tech every week. And you know, of course they, they tend to focus more on Apple centric stuff. Um, but one of them today they were talking about um in apple getting into streaming video you know that they're 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 building their streaming system and that one of them brought up a very good point they said at what point do we make too much television at yeah. what point is there so much content that that literally i mean he's like i think we're kind of already there like there's he's like i'm i'm actively watching shows And then other shows that I've watched other seasons of are popping in with new episodes, shows that I like, but I don't have time to watch those because I'm watching these other ones. And I I just, I feel like that's where we are with all this stuff where we're just spewing so much at a certain point, like something's got to crash.
0: I actually agree with that. Um, Part of the reason why I haven't caught up on a lot of things, like when you asked me, for example, um, if I've watched Doctor Who, I I haven't watched... Anything, and the reason why is just because there's so much of it that I feel overloaded to the point where I don't want to watch any of it. Right. I
1: mean, like even like I, I had this experience today. Got an email from Netflix, uh, January blah, blah blah blah, new new season of Punisher, and my first thought was, "Fuck,
0: jeez, yeah."
1: <laughs> Not like yes, that's awesome. Like son of a bitch, I still haven't even watched the last season of Jessica Jones. You know, like. Well, or Luke Cage, I'm like I'm, or Iron Fist. So like, fuck, I'm behind on all those.
0: Yeah, and, and th- think about the fact that there's 18 Marvel movies, for example. What if you were only on your third one? You'd give up, dude. That's right, three days of your life.
1: <laughs> you know, a certain at a certain point, you just throw your hands up and go, "I'm never going to watch that."
0: Yeah, this is why, this is why I've completely given up on certain things entirely. Um, like, I don't even know if I'm going to watch the, the the last season of Game of Thrones. Um, in the time in which it's released just because I just... Plus, I, beyond that too, like if you feel like you have to catch up with all of this stuff, it takes away from all of the other stuff that you're supposed to be doing with your life or that you want to do with your life. You know right. what I mean? Even so though I The Game like, of Thrones I, is only going to be four episodes. Uh, really? Yeah, they're like two-hour episodes. So. Okay, yeah, that's what I remember hearing. I, I remember there's going to be eight hours total in the season. But, you know, like, who, who, the, who the shit has time, man? Like, I mean between between all the things that I'm I'm doing like I have time for one show at a time period like I can't watch more than one show at a time without feeling like I'm losing time for other things you know I typically
1: juggle 3 but I juggle 3 by treating it like I'm watching TV in in the old days you know before streaming so I watch you know like that's my it's like I'm setting up a TV schedule so tonight tonight on Chad TV a uh, heartwarming <laughs> episode of The Connors, followed by, you know, like... So I'll set up like boom, boom, boom and I'll hit one episode of all three shows and then I'm done. I'm out. And that's all I get to watch. Um, I, I, I can't binge. That just doesn't work. I mean, there's a couple shows you have to binge, I feel like. But for the most part, I can't binge.
0: Where are you watching Doctor Who, by the way?
1: Uh, I bought it on Amazon Prime.
0: I, right. I'm, I'm, I, I might have to go do that. You you got to watch the other ones first, though. What all of Doctor Who all over again? Are you kidding? <laughs> no, the
1: the last two. Uh, oh oh
0: oh oh! I what's was his gonna name? Say Capaldi um, seasons. Capaldi Capaldi's Doctor, yeah. Because mm-hmm.
1: it is to some degree. There's a lot in there that you'll need
0: to know. All right, I'll I'll have to go back and rewind. And they're because, good. They're really because good. Because you, you know my you know my feeling on that. Like I I watched the first couple episodes and didn't like it at all. Um, but, but you, it, you tell me it, 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 gets, it, it finds its form in time. So I His get two final to... seasons are pretty solid. Okay, that's cool.
1: Yeah, I was um, to the point where when he was leaving, I was like, oh, I'm actually going to miss
0: him. All right, I'll go back and watch the Capaldi seasons. Um, but I mean, I'm just so curious about the new one. It's going to be tough for me not to, to dive into it. The new
1: one is and the companions are fantastic, too. Yes. She has three.
0: Dude, I'm so excited. I I, I'm, I don't know if I can resist watching <laughs> the new one. But but I'll need the back. I at the very least need to watch the last season of Capaldi's run. It's a big head change. It's, it's really trippy. Mm, Alright, no
1: well. Should we cut this? Yeah,
0: sure, why not? I or mean, do you have you another topic? I could, no, I mean, it, it's not going to be as random as wires.
1: Wires? What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week for <laughs> Lamb's jaw dropping transitions for for boxes <laughs> for awkward pauses. Please tie. Please dial three.
0: <laughs> okay, let's call this one. Jeez.
1: All right. Well, people, you came here. You heard us. Um, you want to follow Holy Fool um, after I once again talk shit about social media. <laughs> Holy Fool Productions on Instagram, Holy Fool Productions on Facebook and uh, Holy Holy Fool on Twitter. but really what I, what I really really want you to do other than listen to this podcast and tell people about it and check out Creative Minds, my other podcast, is I want you to go to the website and if you're into what we do and you want to support us, become a member. I'm starting to put up premium content I I put up my top five lists for 2018, You know, my favorite uh, favorite five apps, my favorite five uh, uh, TV shows, my favorite five movies, my favorite five songs, my favorite five books, and my favorite five podcast episodes that I experienced in 2018. But if you're a member, you can click into the full list and see the full list of each of those. So you can see that I think it says like top 20 or 25 books that I read in the year um, and so on and so forth for all those categories. Um, I would much rather you guys engage with the website than waste your time on social media. I'll be honest. Um, okay. Okay. So that's that's my crap. What are you, Lamb? Where what can I find you or what would you like them to do?
0: Um, go to um, the vacant room on Twitter or Instagram or the url that is Um my blog is there um, which i'm trying as often as i can to post to um, i'm holding myself to at least three posts a week um, so if you guys can get on there and keep me honest about it and talk smack if i don't do it on any other social media platform that'd be great um, as for what to do um, i want you to go and take pictures in the rain get outside in the rain it, don't be afraid of it and uh, it's cooler than you think
1: alright people goodbye 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 Bye. kisses and makeouts and all of that stuff something yeah something awkward and uncomfortable to say <laughs> oh, that's there's that's the end with that go have an uncomfortable conversation with someone oh perfect a, a clumsy uncomfortable conversation
0: as Tim Ferriss says uh, your measure of success in life is the number of uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have <laughs>